Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. So you remember the message that, and I like when y'all talk to me, so please talk to me. So you remember the message Jesus Bishop did on, is Jesus for sale? Remember that? So one of the things I did during the message was ask myself, which is a hard question, Jesus, have I sold you? Has anybody asked themselves that question after that message? Like, and then told yourself the truth? See, it's one thing to ask yourself. It's something else to tell the truth. So, so after that message, I, 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 I ask, and, and I don't think I was prepared for the truth. Because the price, and I'm going to share with you mine, the price of my sale was I didn't want the weight of the calling. The, the price of my sale was I feel like I'm being isolated from everybody. The price of my sale was I'm still so young and I'm still called to something so big and it feels like at every turn I'm wrong. So my thing was since I didn't ask for it I don't have to do it. Oh come on somebody help me. I didn't didn't ask for the calling. You, You and somebody else decided that was for me and didn't consult me. So I don't think I need to do it. Then I discovered how many days I actually walked around not accomplishing anything because I refused to do everything. How many days have you walked around not accomplishing anything because you refused everything? Because I didn't, I didn't fully grasp and I fully didn't, I didn't understand that when you're in what you're supposed to be in, when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, it's not going to feel good. We have bought into something in, in, in Christianity and in Christendom that everything is supposed to make me feel good. And that everything that happens to me is because the devil is attacking me. And it removes me from the responsibility of the choice that I made. So, so then you get upset because you're trying to figure out why the devil is attacking you. But I said, and this is me. I said, I wasn't doing it. So what did I expect God to cover? If I was not under the covering. And we've been talking about fire a lot. And so I was like, we, we're on fire. We rolling. Because last Sunday, to the roof. You hear me? But then I got nervous. Because once that happens, something's coming. Something's coming. 
something Monday through Friday, something Monday through Saturday, something this morning to get you not to come, something was coming. And And I said, well, how do I handle what may come? Because I feel like I did what I was supposed to do. Do you feel like Sunday you did what you're supposed to do? A charge was put in the atmosphere and you, you answered the call? Understood the assignment, as the kids would say. You understood the assignment. But then something comes, and then when it comes, you're trying to figure out, how does this work? That I'm on fire for you, but my child's car flips three times. How does this work when I was in church giving you all I had and they call me and tell me my cancer's metastasized to my bones? How does that work? How do I feel like I am consumed and this thing's not going to burn me up? Jeremiah 20. There is always a balance. And there is always a very spiritual side to a very natural side of anything. And I think it is imperative that we stay in the balance. So Jeremiah in 20, and I'm sure we're all familiar with the story. Jeremiah is frustrated. Um, Jeremiah in this story, and his name is Pashar. Jeremiah is actually the, he is second in charge, but he's really the first man. So I'll explain. So it's really hard when you're serving somebody to know that the position they're in is yours and you remain second. You, it, it's really, like, like at work, you have, a, you, you have a boss, and you know you could do that job. Matter of fact, you're doing the job. So it's, it's, it's almost hard to be second in a second seat when, you, when you're first in command. I'm sitting in seat number two, but I get treated like I'm number one. So Jeremiah and Preshar, they, they had, Preshar had it out for Jeremiah. Just any and everything, he had it out for him. So Jeremiah is beaten. He's put in stocks. He is drug around like he is nothing and nobody. And that takes us to Jeremiah 20 and 7. And I like this because the first Thing. Look, the first thing Jeremiah says, you deceived me. Lord, I was deceived. I'll just go ahead and be honest. I was probably one of those people. Oh, God, you played me on this. 
Oh, y'all not going to help me today. It's okay. It's okay. I'll just talk about me. But has, has anybody been in something where you were like, you played me? God, you, you said this. I did this. And it still hasn't worked. And then you're trying to figure out why it didn't work. And so your mind tells you it's because you don't qualify. So then you start running through all the sins you had trying to repent, trying to figure out why it didn't work. So he says, you deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I have been ridiculed all day. Everyone mocks me. So I did what you tell me to do, and I, I come to church, and I understood the assignment, and I did what I was supposed to do, and still, and still, what the song say? And he says, and still, they mock me, still. They talk about me still, still, still. First it was, oh, she's too big. Now it's, oh, how small she going to be still. Oh, she, oh, oh, she, how many times she going to be? Oh, she was up once already. Oh, they got her up again. Still. Oh, she's, oh, yes, she can pray. He can pray. They're anointed. They're this. How many, but how many times are we gonna, how many times are we gonna do that? Yeah, she had, she, she had one job. Now she's promoted. How many times she gonna jump jobs? Still. Still. And so Jeremiah wasn't complaining to people. He just said, okay, God, I, I need some help. Tell me what this is. Because I'm I'm consumed. And this thing is going to burn me up. While everybody's talking about fire. And everybody's talking about power. And I feel like I'm in fire. The temperature is steady heating up. And from what I can see, I don't see you or glory. Oh, come on, tell the truth. It's, it's smoke and flames. But I thought I was the producing the fire. I, I thought I, I'm the one on, on fire, but on fire. See, there's a difference between on fire and on fire. Like help. So he says, I will, it says, Let me go back to eight. Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. He said, the word of the Lord has brought me insult. So I say my script, but nothing moves. I I do as I'm told and nothing's moving. What do I do? And I was, I was looking, because I was like, Jeremiah talked a long time without God saying nothing. 
You have you ever just been in prayer and you trying to pray, but then you just start fussing? Like, come on, for real, Jesus. Like for real. Like I've done this, I've tried this, and this ain't working, this ain't working, and God says nothing. Uh, nothing. So then he says, So your so the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name. His word in my heart is like fire. So the minute I decide, I'm not, I'm not doing this. It's okay. I'm not doing this. Then it's like fire in my heart. Seems like you intensify. What's going on in my soul? It seems like the flames start burning. So the more I try to hold it in, the more I try to deny who you are, the more I try to walk away, seems like the more it turns up. It don't take long for flames to get hot. So the question is, Jeremiah must have never been out of fire. He just had a hard time recognizing what the fire was. So does that mean that in the midst of whatever I'm going through, it can feel like I'm on fire, but I'm in the right spot. And I'm in the right place. And the sign of the fire in my heart means you're present with me. The sign that I can't get off the word you gave me. I can't leave what I know you said. I can't move from what I know you promised. Is that a sign? And then all of a sudden, now purpose is becoming clear. Now, everything I'm supposed to do is getting clear. And somewhere along the way, I feel between feeling like I'm on fire and in fire, I become okay. Because then he says, but if I say I will not mention the word or speak any more of his name, his word in my heart is like fire, a fire shut up in my bones, and I'm weary from holding it in. I'm, I'm tired of not being in position. Not being in position is wearing me out. The Bible says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. This is heavy. And this is hard. So you mean to tell me it's easier to feel like I'm being persecuted in the will of God than it to be out of the will of God. So then I asked myself, so all the times I felt like persecution was coming towards me, was this really a, per, a, was this really a situation where elevation was getting ready to happen? I feel like I'm on fire. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm battling with 
feeling like I've done all I can do. I've said all I can say. I've had all I can have. And I can't do any more but still something on the inside. It says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. For I know the plans that I have towards you, saith God. So the more the heat turns up, I'm wondering if heat is a conduit to, if this heat, as the more it turns up, the more it dials me up. So heat, it just keeps getting hotter. If not controlled, it just keeps heating up. But we're a people that feel like we have to have pressure to heat up. I wonder if God didn't apply pressure to you in some situations, would you have grown? I, I asked myself, so if I did what God said and there was never any pressure or pride, would I have grown? Would I have wanted to see God the way I did? Would I wanted to pray the way I did? Would I wanted to hear the way I heard? Would I be desperate for God to say something? Would I be desperate for God to move? Would I be desperate for him to say something to me that was going to propel me out of what I felt like fire, only to get out of fire and be on fire? So the question is, what is your heat doing for you? What's, what's the heat doing for you? What's, what's the pressure doing for you? Outside of making you comfortable, because that's another thing. When we, it, Christian people, we feel like we have to be comfortable. And when it's comfortable, it's right. When I'm, when I'm comfortable, then I'm okay. When everything is doing what it's supposed to do, when everything is happening the way it's supposed to happen, it's supposed to be okay. But I never, I haven't seen that in the Bible. If I'm wrong, help me. I haven't seen anybody where everything was all right and they got elevated. I haven't seen where everything was, was lined up in order the way they wanted it. And elevation happened. It, it was always pressure. So then I asked, well, God, why, why you know, why? If you're going to elevate me, can't you just do it? That's a real question, is it not? That's a real, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to, just do it, right? If, if you're going to elevate me, why we can't just go ahead and do it? Pressure doesn't just elevate you, it prepares you. It makes you stop some of the things you thought you had to do. It makes you stop messing with people with some of the people you thought you had to have. See, fire has never been just for you. Fire burns off the people not supposed to be with you. See, when your circumstance gets too hot for them, they'll leave. Because they didn't want to help you with it no way. 
when, when the fire gets too hot for them, when the fire that's on you is causing them to have to shift, they'll leave. Because that's not the person you were supposed to take anyway. And where did we learn that we got to take people? Where did we get that from? No, I'm really at, where? That people are supposed to ride in your spaceship all the way to the moon. Where did we get that? Where did we pick that up? And then it's hard for you to get momentum to propel you forward because we carry in stuff, whether it be people, whether it be situations, whether it be circumstances, we're carrying stuff that was never supposed to go. And then you look around the next year and you're in the same spot. Marriage still the same, house still the same, family still the same, everything's still the same. And then you're frustrated. So my question was, again, if you was just going to do it, why not just do it? And this is this the story it took me to. So Acts 2. Let's go to Acts 2. Because Jeremiah was complaining. But he said, I can't get away from what, what you told me to do. But what I'm supposed to do with what I got. So we go to Acts 2. And we all know the story of Acts 2, but for Acts 2, you got to back up to 1 because I had questions. Y'all know I ask questions, right? So I had questions. I went back to Acts 1 because I, I don't know if I just glossed over it or I, I, I don't know. But I know sometimes when we're reading the Bible, sometimes we, you got to slow down. And you got to paint the picture in your head. And you got you to gotta see with you got to see what you, what you hear. And, and so sometimes for me, I know sometimes I breeze through or I think, oh, I know that story. But when you go to look at it, oh, I, I didn't know this story. So I'm, I'm reading it and I'm like, okay. I was like, Jesus is, is walking through. So Jesus had just been crucified and um, Jesus is going to be taken up to heaven. But it says he was walking around with the apostles, giving instructions. For 40 days. You were crucified. You were out of the grave. And now you're walking around with people. And for 40 whole days, not four days, 40 days. So then my question was, if you was going to do that, why do this? If you are going to get out of the grave and not go into heaven, why traumatize me by seeing you die? If you were just going to heal me anyway, why traumatize me with the chemo? If you were just going to heal the marriage anyway, what traumatized me with him leaving? If you were just going to 
do it anyway. What? And then you're going to sit with me for 40 whole days and give instructions? If you were going to do that, why not just do that? Why not just heal? Why not just grant the favor? Why not do that? And Jesus said so clearly to me, then you would have no proof that I am God. Because even Jesus had scars on his hands from the victory. It says in two, until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many and gave them many convincing proofs that he was still alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God on one occasion while he was eating with them. He was eating with them. So if you were going to just do it. But I wouldn't have any proof of who you are. So I wonder, with all that has been going on, is this just another sign of proof to you of who God is? I think sometimes we have to retrain the way we think. Instead of seeing everything as a problem, start seeing everything as a proof. Proof. I leave here and my husband's still not talking to me. Proof. I leave here and the doctor calls tomorrow. Proof. I leave here and, and it, it doesn't work. I didn't get the job. Proof. I wonder if we could start seeing things that we deem as negative. Proof. What, God could, what else God would do? What else he would say? So then it says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for a, for, wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about from John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at the time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Are you going to fix this? Hello, Jesus. Are you going to fix this? Since you're still here, that's basically what it says. Since you're still here, are you going to fix this? And it says, it is not for you to know the times or the dates. That, I, I, I took that personally. Well, God, it's not for me to know when you're going to fix it. It's not, my, it's not for me to know when you're going to do it. All you said was you were going to do it. So I just have to trust that you will do it. The trust is hard. Even if you love God and believe him, trust, that's hard. And I'm not going to play what you like. It's, but when you're believing God for something huge, you know, one day, yes. Two days, yes. Three days, yes. Three months, woo. Three years, okay. 30 years, 
Well, for I mean, you get you get going, and you're like, yes, yes, yes. Uh, okay. Not that you've left it. Not that you you don't believe. It's just uh, in my head, time been up. In my thinking, time been up. But it's clear on God's time, it ain't up yet. So I saw something so funny the other day. And, and so she said, I know, you know, you may not come when you want to, but he's always on time. What time? Somebody define what time. But he just said, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power. There's that power again. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be a witness in Jerusalem. Then the amazing thing to me is they all gathered to pick a replacement for Judas. That's another message. But they all sat down together. They came together to find a replacement, but prayed. (laughs) They came together to find the replacement and we're praying constantly because that's what it says. Let's go back. So it says in verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. But the, the goal after, you know, Jesus' instruction was to find Judas a replacement. And then we hit verse 2. We hit chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. We are all together in one place. And so what I said was, well, God, can I declare my place? Can I declare when we're all in one place? Can I declare that my, my family and I, we're all in one place? Our church and I, we're all in one place. All in one place is what? All in one place. So whether it's at home, all in one place, whether it's Harvest Church, all in one place, whether it's on the job, all in one place, you are all in one place. Wow, what an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.